Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. You know, I'm going to do a little Italian church in Adelaide. My dad was the pastor. I was embarrassed to take my friends to school because it was one of those churches made up of people that were mostly uneducated and if they felt the presence of Jesus, they just responded. So my auntie, my dad's sister, we called her the ambulance because every time she felt the presence of God, she'd go, so I'm not going to bring my friends to church because the ambulance is going to take off. And so I've seen it all. And you can tell the difference between when it's flesh and when it's God. And, uh, you know, I remember one time we used to have Wednesday night testimony night. My granddad used to get up and give the same testimony every Wednesday night. But one night a guy got up, or a lady got up, sorry, and, um, and, and spoke in another tongue. And, and then someone else gave the interpretation. So she, uh, you know, a guy gave the interpretation, the lady spoke in another language, and then she got up and did it again. And did exactly the same thing. So the little Italian man got up and he broke out into English. And he said, the Lord did say to you, same a thing, same a thing, same a thing. (laughs) You got up, Ross. And I just feel like saying, same a thing, same a thing, same a thing. Because everything you just said when you got up, I wrote in my notes during the worship. And I just started to scribble because when God moves in worship, I hear the voice of God. And you said that when you got up. And and so can I just read to you what I wrote? Because, you know, in all our lives, we do our every day. And sometimes it feels like God's a million miles away. But I'm grateful for those moments that I call suddenlies or one days. You know, there's Moses in the back end of the desert just doing his every day looking after his father-in-law's sheep, probably wondering why did my life get to this point? Why haven't all the promises that were given to me come to pass? And then all of a sudden, he's in a desert and he has a, and he has a one day. And you know, I believe tonight is one of those nights where God's going to give some of you a suddenly and a one day. If you're prepared to walk out of here tonight and embrace what God wants to say and do, I'm promising you this is not a sell. You will never be the same again. The message I'm going to bring tonight has been part of my life's journey. It's been so powerful and so true, but I've never put it in these words that I'm getting tonight. What I'm going to give you tonight will be so simple and so clear that you'll never forget it if your heart is open to God. I believe with all my heart that tonight God is going to be glorified. Truth is going to be clarified and our walk with him is going to be intensified. That's my prayer for this meeting tonight. Jesus will be glorified, that truth will be clarified in your life, and that our walk with him will be intensified. I believe tonight is a night of surrender. And I, Pete got up and said some of the other things I wrote down. That's how God moves. But it's not a surrender like I used to think when I grew up in that little Italian church. I used to love Africa because I didn't want God to send me to Africa. I'd say, God, I love Africa. I love Africa because I thought God will always send you where you don't want to (laughs) go. You know, when you surrender, it's like, do I have to do this? It's like God is going to, you know, it's, it, I remember, I thought, God's going to make me marry the girl I don't like. He's going to marry some missionary girl that I'm not attracted to because I have to surrender. 
that's not the surrender I've come to know in knowing Jesus for myself personally. It's a surrender to his love. It's a surrender to his freedom. And tonight God wants to bring release. People are going through some situations in this church. And for some of you in your private life, you've struggled with what's happening right now to forgive someone. I don't know who it is. And tonight, if you're prepared to surrender, that forgiveness is going to be released inside of you and you're going to be able to have a capacity to have freedom and love like you've not known before. Some of you need to rest in God rather than wrestle in God. And you know, tonight God wants to bring rest to people that have been restless. Some of you have been frustrated and God's going to remove the frustration tonight and replace it with the calm and rest of His Holy Spirit. There are homes represented in this room tonight and this came to me during the worship that there's tension in the home. And so when you come home from work or you you gather together of an evening as a family, there's just awkwardness and tension and God wants to bring healing to those homes tonight. He wants to remove the pressure and release his presence into your home. There are people in this room tonight that you've been struggling with anger for a long time and I did for many, many years and I know the freedom of being set free from anger and disappointment and frustration of being misquoted and misunderstood understood and God's removing anger and he's going to replace it with joy. I'm telling you that now so that when I finish preaching, we're going to pray. And if this represents you, I want to pray after the preaching tonight and see God bring breakthrough to your life. God is bringing the clarity of his voice to some of you that have been confused. And I saw a picture in my mind morning with a journal. And for some of you that have struggled to hear the voice of God, as you read the scripture, clarity is going to come. And as you write into your journal, you're going to go, how come I've never seen this before? How come I've never seen this before? And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus right now, put your hands out in front of you right now for the whole church. I pray for a season of revelation to fill people's lives and hearts and minds and spirits that Lord even from this new season we will begin to do what I believe you've put on my heart for this church to begin to write all our own God journey and our God story I pray in Jesus name amen my message tonight is about how 2018 can become a fresh year for all of us to have our own God story have our own God intervention God That was God, because God wants to do it corporately for this church, but it's only going to happen if it happens individually in your own private lives. I believe God wants to do something in the board of this church, in the leadership of the church, in the new structures that are going to come in this church. And God is bringing this place into alignment, but it's not going to come out of being forced or talked into anything, but you are supernaturally are all going to hear from God, and as you begin to talk, you go, that's what God said to me. That's what God said to me. That's what God said to me. And there's going to be an outflation that's going to become your own individual story, not just the corporate story. Our corporate story can only be a sum total of our individual stories that become his story. And so this message was birthed in my heart not that long ago, but it's really a lifetime message. But it was birthed when my grandson was hearing me preach one day in his church, and he was only 10 at the time, and I preached on hearing God's voice, and he took notes, and I had eight points starting with R, or something like that. 
he ended up coming to me and he goes, you know, no, no, I love that message. That was great, but I've got two more points. So he gives me his 10 points on how to hear the voice of God. And I thought, what a great kid. You know, he's lost his dad. He's going through the pain of that. He's trying to be like his big brother. You know, when you lose your dad and you've got an older brother, it's like he's trying to live up to his older brother's expectations now and going through all those changes in his own life. And then his mother sends me this on her phone a few days after that particular Sunday. Listen to it. Mum and I were in the car talking about having your own story that you hold on to when times are tough. When things are going bad and you question, is God real? You need to have your own God revelation. God was saying to me all week, Jeremiah 29.9. I didn't know it was God speaking because everyone says Jeremiah 29.11. So I asked mum, and if you don't know Jeremiah 29.11, it's probably the most used scripture in Christendom. When I started moving in, prophetic many years ago at youth camps, I always knew Jeremiah 29 11 would always work. Because it says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, to give you a future and a hope. Well, you prophesy that over anybody, you're going to be safe. And so it was my kickoff scripture. And so here's my grandson, he's heard this scripture, but God gives him Jeremiah 29 9. Listen to what it says. They are prophesying lies to you in my name, I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Now, here's a 10-year-old kid getting a scripture in his head and getting his mum to read it to him. And when you read that, you think, what on earth is that about? Listen to me. When I was at Keithcott Primary School, kids used to say to me that the church was playing with my mind and that God never existed and he couldn't be real. And they also said that I was delusional. God's given me the scripture so I don't have to doubt anymore. I know that he's real and I only need to listen to his voice. Ten years of age. Have a look at the picture of him being baptized. If we can put that up, guys, that would be great. And there's Elijah getting baptized. I was in Brisbane and God, uh, not God, he, he said, Nonna, will you come and baptize me? And so here's his older brother, who looks just like his dad. His dad baptised the older brother only a few months before he passed away. And now the two of us are baptising Elijah. You look at that look on his face. Look at the trust that he has and the joy in his heart because God gave him his own story. Let me tell you, that story will stay with that boy for many, many years because I know many stories in my life from when I was a kid that I knew God intervened in my life. They've never left me. They were those suddenlies that come when we're just doing our every day. I pray tonight will be a suddenly where God's story becomes real to you and you won't have to do Christ through what other people tell you, but you'll know him personally yourself. I'd like to read from the Message Bible tonight, Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 16 in the Message Bible. When Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? They replied, some say he's John the baptizer. Some say Elijah. Some, Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. He pressed them. And how about you? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said, you're the Christ. 
You're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My father in heaven, God himself let you in on this secret of who I really am. Listen to me carefully. And now I'm going to tell you who you are really are you are Peter a rock this is the rock on which I'll put together my church a church so expensive I mean expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out and that's not all you will have complete and free access to God's kingdom keys to open any and every door no more barriers between heaven and earth earth and heaven a yes on earth is a yes in heaven a no on earth is a no in heaven Two incredible questions that Jesus asks. The first one is, who do people say that I am? What's everybody saying? That particular day when Jesus is talking to all his disciples, they are surrounded by visible idols of many other gods. There was a cave around where they were standing or sitting that represented other religious beliefs and other gods. And in the midst of a visible picture of many different gods, Jesus said, who do people say that I am? What are people saying? Do you know you can go to church and only know Jesus through what some say? But we can't survive when my son passed away, the church of the some say could not help me. The church of what other people say could not help me. And so Jesus didn't stop at what do people say that I am. I love motor cars. I'm into motorsport. My auntie works for, or she's retired now, but she worked for the McLaren's Formula One racing team in the United Kingdom. And she's also a pastor. But she worked for Ron Dennis, who was the managing director of that Formula One team, McLaren's. And in our family, there's a lot of love of motorsport. In the early days of my ministry, I used to buy and sell cars to help make a little bit extra Uh, money to pay our mortgages on the very first home that I bought for (laughs) $21,000 and had two mortgages and uh, I remember buying one day a car because a friend of mine Stuart rang me up and he said you know Danny I know you're buying and selling cars I found the bargain of the century there's a little old man he's about 85 and he can't drive anymore he's got a VB I'm not talking about beer He's got a VB Commodore Calais V8. And he said, and it's gorgeous. It's a beautiful paint job and the little old man can't drive anymore and he wants to sell it. Are you interested? I said, how good is it? He goes, it's immaculate. I said, just secure it for me. I'll take it. And so I bought this car through my friend's recommendation. And one day I was youth pastor at Paradise when I bought this car. I was going to the airport to pick somebody up that was going to speak at a youth camp. And I stopped to get it cleaned because I didn't have time to clean it myself. Took it through a car wash and it filled up with water. (laughs) Turned into a baptismal tank. (laughs) I noticed it had been pulling to the left for a while and I'm going... What is wrong with this beautiful car? I'd even told people God had provided this great miracle for me. That I got the bargain. Italians love bargains. You know, cheaper for cash. You know, much cheaper for cash. And so I take the car to the motor vehicle's authorities the next day. And they took the car off the road. 
And they said, this car's never going back on the road. I said, why? He said, it's actually two cars being chopped in the middle. And out of two cars, they've made one car. And as they researched where I got the car from, the little old man was a crooked man who was a front for his son's crooked crash repair business. <laughs> I went on the recommendation of some say. I went on the recommendation of what somebody else told me. You know, listen to me carefully. Don't, don't think I'm saying something that I'm not, but... You know how many people get onto podcasts today and they get a little bit of T.D. Jakes and they get a little bit of Stephen Furtick and they get a little bit of something else, which is not wrong. We need to do that only if it adds to what we know. Because if we're only running around with what some say, how do you know it's your own revelation? Because when tough times come, you're not going to be able to get on a plane and run to Bethel. And I'm happy for Bethel and it's great. But in our country right now, people are running all over the place trying to get a fix over here and a fix over there. And I was in a room tonight worshipping with a group of people and there's enough power in this room tonight to bring about change because the Holy Spirit's everywhere. But we can learn from everyone. But you've got to know what you say. And he says, now, Peter, what do you say? Well, no, sorry, he didn't say Peter. He said to all the disciples, what do you say? And only Peter responded. You know, Peter gets this amazing revelation and it's bad enough getting a revelation and then life just comes in on you. And you know, Peter, only a few short verses later, Jesus says, I'm going to go to the cross and I am going to die for, for people's sins. And Peter goes, no, we're not going to let that happen. There's no way that's going to happen, Jesus. Do you know how many people sometimes say to pastors, no, we're not going to do that. That's going to kill you. We're not going to step out in faith for that. And sometimes we think it's actual concern. But if it comes from reason, and I want you to hear the prophetic word tonight, everything that comes from reason is where the devil hangs out in the church. Because he says to Peter, you are thinking from a human point of view, get thee behind me, Satan. And I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit can't live in the realm of reason. And I've done things in my life we never had money for as a church. And God said, you need to step out and take faith. And within weeks, the money's come in supernaturally. And I want to tell you, I would rather live one day in the place of revelation than a thousand days in the place of reason. Because the place of revelation is the place of freedom. And I want to tell you, friends, God's taken this place to new revelation in 2018. But it's going to be matched by everybody else's personal knowledge, not of what some say. I was telling the pastors on Friday, or maybe the leaders yesterday, I've also discovered we have the church of Yamcha. Have you ever been to a Chinese restaurant where they have yum cha? We have a little bit of this and we have a little bit of that. We have some chicken feet. I mean, I've had chicken feet at yum cha, which I would never cook at home. I've never said to my wife, can we have chicken feet tonight? But at yum cha, it's amazing what kind of things we're happy to try as the cart comes around. And in Australia right now, we have people running off to this and running off to that and grabbing hold of a bit of this. And that's all good. Yum cha's good. If we understand what our regular diet needs to be and what our regular substance should be that comes from the house that feeds us every week. we got people listening to podcasts, but they don't listen to their local pastor. 
God does not put you in a house that can't feed you. And I want to tell you, friends, not that that's the case here, but I'm dealing with this all over the country. And what I'm about to give to you is one of the greatest ways of having your own story. It's one of the greatest ways of discovering what it is to walk with Jesus. And so there are five things that Jesus says in this passage of Scripture that I just read to you. And if we believe what Jesus said to Peter is what he's saying to us, some amazing things can happen in your life. You see, my revelation of Jesus started at the age of 11. I remember in my early 20s when God called me into the ministry, I could not deny that he was calling me. Pastor Fred Evans, some of you know him, came into the menswear store where I worked and he says to me, Danny, I need to have a coffee with you. We just know that God is calling you into the ministry. We got no idea why, but we just know there's a call of God. I got on the bus that night and I used to catch a bus, half an hour trip from the city to where I lived and the bus tickets used to have little sayings on the back. As I got the bus ticket and turned it around, it said, whatever's around the corner, God's already there. Written on the back of the bus ticket. My reading in my Bible on my way home was out of Isaiah 41, where it talks about when you go through the waters, I will be there. I will uphold you with my right hand. Do not fear. I was full of fear. I didn't think I could ever survive in the ministry. And yet God's looking for me when I'm not looking for him. I'm looking for him for relationship, not for ministry. And then God's will comes looking for me. And I can tell you time after time after time where out of my everyday, there's been a suddenly where I've created my own God's story because God has been involved in what is going on. And so Peter right here is talking to Jesus and Jesus gives him five revelations. And I have never seen this before until a few weeks ago. And I can tell you, it's one thing to put into words something that sounds good. It's another thing to put into words something you know. Wow, that's true. I can prove that. That's happened. And so I'm going to give them to you tonight. The first revelation that is given to Peter is the revelation of deity. If we can put it up on screen, there we are. It's up there, deity. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. Deity. Peter didn't say you're a good teacher. He didn't say you're an awesome leader. Jesus, you're, you're a good mate. He said, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen here tonight, every one of us has to come to a place, whether that is the truth in our lives or it isn't. When my son passed away, one of the things that helped me stand was that I know he is the Christ. I know he is the Messiah. I know he is the Son of God. And when you know him as deity, then this is what happens, number two. You discover your identity. Hey, Peter, now that you are totally clear on who I am, can I show you who you are? You see, our identity is not found in a position. There are so many people chasing ministry positions that show me they don't trust deity. Because ladies and gentlemen, you're never meant to chase the will of God. The will of God chases you. What we're meant to do is fall in love with deity. I've never done a thing in my life that I've pushed for. I've never done a thing in my life that I've tried to open the door to. 
I've felt that I can go and hide and God will come looking for me. You don't have to be in the green room at the conference with who's who in the zoo. Never had to do that. And I want to tell you, I've gone to a lot of conferences and I remember when I was the pastor of the biggest youth group in Australia at one stage, everybody wanted to be my friend. When we started our church with 40 people and I go to the same conference, nobody wanted to talk to me. Because people judge you by your achievements. We are human beings, not human doings. And I want to tell you, my friends, tonight, my faith is not in what doors open for me, who I meet in a green room, who's going to open doors for me, when someone's going to resign so I can get in and become the leader. Not that that's happening here. That's definitely not happening here. But I remember I gave youth alive over before I needed to because the Lord said to me, if you resign a day early, you'll be missed. If you resign a day late, you'll be hissed. I don't want to be hissed. I'd rather be missed. My very first Youth Alive rally I went to when I handed over to Russell Evans. I remember the day when I get a phone call from Caloundra. On the, is that Sunshine Coast? Yes, it is. I got offered the Assemblies of God Church at Caloundra. I was 27 years old. We weren't earning a lot of money and they offered me a brand new VN Commodore, five acres of land in the AOG church at Calandra. I think they've sold some of that land now and a church manse. And I said to Sharon, this sounds like God. And she says, don't pray about it. Let's just go. (laughs) She's not like that. So... And I remember I went to prayer, and this is exactly as it came, in my head. It wasn't audible, but it might, have, might as well have been. Don't you dare ever make a decision on what's best for Danny. Only make a decision on what's best for the kingdom. And I will look after Danny. Now listen to me carefully. Russell Evans wasn't ready to take over Youth Alive. I was the Youth Alive leader. And God says to me, you got one more year to raise Russell. And because I stayed on and made the decision that was best for the kingdom, there's a Planet Shakers ministry today that would have never happened if I hadn't died to what I wanted and made a decision that was for the bigger picture. And I want to tell you tonight, I've always trusted God with my life. If God called me to the ministry and I didn't ask for it, then he's got to look after me and he's got to open the doors because I'm not going to push them open it's a wonderful place to be when you don't try to promote yourself because you know deity you will discover your identity now a few weeks ago I received a phone call from a a friend of mine who owns a award-winning Italian restaurant in Adelaide you can see why I have no self-discipline on losing weight because I do a lot of ministry in restaurants. The Lord saved me from a lot of things, but eating wasn't included. And so um, this friend of mine who's an award-winning restaurant rings me up and he goes, Danny, can you come now? I said, what, you're trying a new recipe on me? He goes, no, my daughter's suicidal. We're afraid she could take her life. She's 19 years old and she hates herself. Please, can you come? I jump in my car and I go down to the family restaurant at a time where there were no customers, obviously. And we're sitting in the room and I look at this beautiful girl. 
She's 19, she's got beautiful hair, she's not overweight or anything if you want to look from the outside and that's not how God judges. But, but anyway, she was beautiful. A university graduate, a beautiful boyfriend and her parents loved her. And she says to me, Danny, I just every day want to take my life. I don't want to live. I hate myself. I look into the mirror and I hate what I see. I'm going to call her Jenny because that's not her name because I just want to protect her. And she knows I'm telling the story, by the way. I said, Jenny, have you been bullied? She goes, yes. Do you get made fun of on social media? She goes, all the time. And I said, do you realise you're drawing your identity from all the wrong places? You're beautiful. You've done well at university. Your parents are here crying right now because they love you. She goes, they're the best parents I could ever have. She goes, but I just want to kill myself all the time. I hate it. I don't want to live. Do you believe in God? And she goes, yes, but I don't think he likes me either. And I said, well, you're so wrong. I am not going to abuse you by telling you a lie, Jenny. But I'm going to tell you what God really thinks about you. And before you were ever born, what he had planned for you. And as I start talking to her, the tears just start pouring. She goes, is that true? I said, absolutely true. I said, would you like to meet that Jesus? She goes, I know you know he exists, but do you want to have a relationship with him? She goes, please. I grabbed her hand. Her parents are crying. I've been away from Edge Church for quite a long time. And only a few weeks ago, I was back to preach to the family. And as I'm sitting there, there she is on the front row with her brother. Her parents have joined the church. Her boyfriend has given his heart to the Lord. They've split up until their relationship is done properly, even without anybody saying anything. It really works. It really works. She goes, Jesus has so transformed my life. I know who I am now. I know who I am now. We can make all the rules in Australia that make people feel better about sexual identity, but our identity doesn't start with sexuality. Our identity starts by knowing deity. And when we discover the God who made us, when we discover the God who planned us, then our identity is found in his love for us, his knowledge of us. And I went to that restaurant about a day before I flew here and her mum, Teresa, came running up to me. She goes, all we hear about all day is Jesus. And she goes, and she's telling me off, Mum, you need to be in church more. You're too busy. And she starts crying. And she goes, the depression's gone. The suicidal thoughts are gone. And all those things have lifted off our daughter. We don't know how to thank you, Danny. And she gives me a hug. And I got a free lunch. <laughs> I mean, that's a good day at the office. I got a free lunch. That's better than poking the eye with a blunt stick, I tell you. And so when Jesus says to Peter, hey, Peter, now that you know me as deity, I'm going to show you your identity, but not only that, now I'm going to show you your destiny. You're going to be part of building my church. You're going to build my church and the gates of hell are not going to prevail. See, we try to find our destiny so we can find our identity. I mean, you know, oh, I'm Pastor Danny. You don't come up to me and go, I'm Plumber John. I'm Electrician Fred. No, I'm Danny and I do the work of pastoring. Why am I identified by what I do? I need to be identified by who I am. And so Jesus says to Peter, 
hey, Peter, you know who I am. That's deity, and I'm never going to change, and I'm also going to show you who you are. That's identity, and because of that, I'm going to give you destiny. You're going to build my church, Pete, and it's going to be an incredible church, and the gates of hell can't stop you crashing in. The devil is the one fighting off the church, not the other way around. Have you ever seen soldiers running down the road with gates? You're going to think, what's going on there? Don't take offence. Oh, no, who said that? Oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. Soldiers don't run down the road with gates in their hand. The gates are defensive, not offensive weapons. And the Bible says that the church is going to advance. I don't care how many laws they pass in Australia. I rang the leader of the opposition in South Australia a few weeks ago. He could be our next premier in March. And I said to him, you know, in your political party, are there marriage breakups? Are there kids on drugs? Politicians dealing with kids that are on ice. And I'm going through this conversation and he goes, I'm sure there's lots of problems. I said, well, I want to offer myself freely to you as a people in parliament to come in when that brokenness is there and at no cost come and stand by broken people. And even though they're in public office, they still need help because I believe the church gets the final say. We're going to become the offensive army that knocks down the devil's gates and we win because God has a destiny. And you say, how do you know that, Danny? Because the next thing he says to Peter is, is you're going to have authority. The gates of hell won't stop you. I think that's authority. The devil's not going to be able to ultimately stop where you're going. That's authority. You know, the devil thought when my son died, I was done. He didn't realize the oops factor. You know what the oops factor is? Whenever the devil throws the book at you, he always goes to extreme and then goes, oops, shouldn't have done that because he thought he was going to destroy me. My wife loves Jesus more than she ever has and there's not an ounce of bitterness in her because our son is in heaven today and she is an incredible example because we worship God in the midst of our pain because the devil's not interested in you having pain. He's interested in alienating you from God. He wants to disconnect you from God. So if you get hurt and you don't worship anymore, thank you tonight for worshipping in this room the way you did, even though some of you were going through tough times. That's what the devil hates. But let me tell you, hey, Pete, now that you know who I am, deity, I'm going to show you who identity. You're going to find your destiny and build my church. You're going to have authority because the gates of hell will not prevail. Peter stuffed up a few times. You know, when God says that to us, it doesn't mean it's a perfect life. And if you look at Peter, he goes on and denies Christ. He makes a whole lot of mistakes. And we go to 1 Peter chapter 5. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, it's Peter writing to the elders, but he's not giving a sermon. He's not giving instructions. He's actually telling his story. See, the greatest book we could ever write is our story. And so Peter starts in 1 Peter 5. I want you to hear this because when I saw it, it actually blew me away. You know, in 1 Peter 5, chapter 2, care for the flock. Care for the flock. Don't be oversteerers. Be overseers. Love the flock. Don't do it begrudgingly. Do it because you love to. I wonder if Peter wasn't just giving instruction to the elders. He was saying, hey, guys. Do you know there was a time I walked away from it all? 
Do you know there was a time I told him where to go? And then one day I was out fishing. I'd gone back to fishing and Jesus starts cooking a barbecue on the beach with a coal fire. The only time coal fires are mentioned in the New Testament is the night that Peter denies fire. And the next time he sees a coal fire, it's Jesus cooking brekkie on the beach. And Peter finds out it's Jesus and he runs across the water. Well, he runs through the water, pulls up his garments and runs to Jesus. And Jesus goes, do you love me, Pete? Then get back to what I called you to do. Feed my sheep. Shepherd the flock. So now Peter's an old man. He's about to die. And he's writing to the elders and goes, shepherd the flock. He was telling us his story. In verse 6, humble yourself under mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up and honour you. Well, I wonder whether Peter is talking about that night when Jesus takes a towel and a basin and starts to wash the disciples' feet. And Peter goes, no, Jesus, don't do this. I'm not worthy of you washing my feet. And Jesus says, I've got to do this, Pete. And Peter says, okay, wash all of me. It's just like Peter. And now Peter goes, humble yourself before Almighty God. Because if we humble ourselves in due season, he will put us where we need to be. Peter's telling us his story. Cast all your care upon him. Because he cares for you. He's writing this as an old man. What about the night they're in the middle of a storm and they're out in the lake and the disciples are really angry because Jesus is asleep in the storm. There are people in this room tonight going through storms and you go, why isn't Jesus speaking? How come he's asleep in my storm? Well, I hope this encourages you tonight because Peter goes and shakes Jesus and goes, Jesus, don't you care that we perish? And then Jesus speaks to the storm. And calms the storm. And now as an old man, he's going, cast all your care upon him. So you start reading through that chapter and you realise he's telling us his story. Give all your worries and cares to God. He says in verse 8 of 1 Peter chapter 5, stay alert. I'm nearly done, guys. I'll be real quick. Stay alert and watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Do you remember that night when Jesus was about to go to the cross? He's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he says, will you guys pray with me? And they fell asleep. Couldn't even pray for an hour. And now right at the end of his life, Peter's going, stay alert. Don't fall asleep. Don't do what I did back then. But you see, the last point, number five, Peter finishes his race in victory. In victory. Because he says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and vice versa. Let me tell you, friends, that is the journey every Christian needs to go on. We need to know deity. Not people that open doors for us. Not the some say church. Not people that will open stuff for us. Not that there's anyone like that here. I don't feel that in this church anyway. But listen very carefully. When you get to know deity, you will rest in your identity. Because you know he loves you. I grew up in an Italian home where I was told all the wrong things. I was never encouraged and my wife married me because she didn't think I could speak English properly so I would never be a preacher and so I was a menswear salesman when she married me and two years into our marriage God interrupts us and calls us into the ministry and my wife goes that's the last thing I wanted <laughs> deity I want the musicians to come thank you deity I know deity tonight so my identity is not whether I've got hair or haven't got hair, whether I'm skinny or fat. 
I mean, you know, I spend more time cutting the hairs in my nose now than I do on my head. <laughs> Just cleaning up my ears takes an hour. Why do we grow so much hair in our ears? I said to my wife, maybe I should have one of those transplants, you know? She goes, don't you dare. I said, maybe I can draw all little rabbits on my head. She goes, what, what does that mean? She goes, they'll look like hairs from a distance. <laughs> dad joke. That's a dad joke. <laughs> oh, that's good. I've totally destroyed the meeting. Sharon said to me, why don't you... Sharon said to me, why don't you grow a beard and pull your head in? Well, I've done that, but I haven't been able to do the rest. So I just want to say tonight, my identity is not found in how I look. I'm not trying to be rude, and these guys, please understand where I'm coming from. I go to churches that we think we're cool because our bum crack's showing with our jeans hanging down here and, and, and we've got the right dreadlocks and we've got the... And I'm not against trendy. Please understand, I'm not having a go at any of that. I love trendy. But if that's all it takes to be relevant to our community, we won't have the power to blow the fuzz off a peanut. We really won't. But I want to tell you tonight, there's power of God in this room... And there's trendy, and it's all good because there's no one on this here prima donna. I love the way you lead worship. I love the way you lead worship. And then prophesy. And so it's great because we're not here to show off. We're here to show off on Jesus. And to do that, when we know deity, we're comfortable in our identity. We will live out our destiny. We will have authority, and we will walk in victory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to close with this. I usually have three conclusions, but this is my final conclusion. And it's this. I just felt the Holy Spirit speak to me right then. He said, I have an incredible new breakthrough for this church where deity is going to surprise you. You're going to have suddenlies. Ross and your beautiful wife, you've prayed... You've prayed for things and you've said, God, how long? This is not a word of knowledge he's told me, but uh, I'm, I'm not trying to pretend something that's not there. How long? You said it this morning when you were chairing. Well, there's going to be some suddenlies. And there's going to come some one days that are a summary of all the prayers. You know, in the book of Revelation, God opened a door that no man can shut for the church in Philadelphia. And it says this, you have little strength. God has this ability to take our tiredness. Mary Lynn, there's been physical tiredness. You've been sick and all that stuff that you've been through. And so sometimes, and you do need a sabbatical. We talked about that. But sometimes at the time we think we need a rest, God comes and releases the miracle at a time we thought, well, we were tired, we were exhausted. And look at what happened. God's timing doesn't line up with ours. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to bring deity into the purpose church in such a way that there'll be clarity. There'll be clarity of revelation. With that, the identity of this church will become stamped in God. And there are prayers that were prayed many years ago for this place and they haven't yet come to pass. And God's chosen new people to be alive at this time to see that miracle happen. With that, you're going to know your destiny as a church. 
God's going to clarify over the next 12 months what you're not called to do as a church, but what you are called to do as a church. And with that, there's going to come godly authority and you're going to walk in victory. There's been a, it's only been a passing moment in your hearts where you've said, God, can we keep doing this? God, can we keep going forward? I'm not looking at you because I'm just listening to what's in my head. Lord, can we keep... We love the people. We care about the people. But are we holding it back? Are we doing something? And let me tell you, that stops today. It stops in this place right now. As God's going to come and He's going to bring a release that everyone's going to have their own voice in it. And they're going to say, wow, deity is leading our church. Our identity as a church is being stamped. Our destiny has been released by God and we're going to walk in our authority and in our victory. I want you to put your hands out in front of you right now. I know time is gone, but Father, all over this church tonight, I speak that into the atmosphere. I speak it into this church tonight. Father, I speak it into this house tonight. May this church never forget deity. May this church never forget their identity, their destiny, their authority and their victory. Father, I pray that over this church and we will see multiplication, not just addition, not just bottoms on seats, but multiplication. Oh, wow. Multiplication of resource. Multiplication of money. There's been times you've said, but we can't afford to do that. We can't afford, and you can't. But God is not broke and God is going to come through and He's going to bring some suddenlies even in the financial area and you're going to see breakthroughs. You're going to see more miracles than you've had. And let me tell you, I see this picture of families in your church getting better jobs, people in the church getting better opportunities, people buying homes they couldn't afford to buy before. And all of a sudden there's a redeem and lift because when there's a sift, there will be a shift. And when there's a shift, there will be a lift in Jesus' name. Oh, receive that tonight. We receive that tonight in Jesus' name. Can we all stand, please? Let's all stand. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.